May we have a flowing podcast that's successful and helpful for other people. Aloha, TJ. Aloha, Dr. T. Welcome to Ponder Across the Ponds. I'm Dr. T here in historical Edinburgh in Scotland, and this is my previous colleague, TJ, who gave up the office life and jumped across two ponds to live in Maui, Hawaii. We wanted to continue the pondering that we used to do in the office, so we decided to start this podcast. And this week, we're exploring self-fulfilling prophecies. Do our expectations shape reality? Can others' judgment affect our behaviour? What's the difference between a placebo effect and a self-fulfilling prophecy? Join us as we ponder Ponder across across the the pond. Aloha, TJ. Aloha, Dr. T. How are things going in Edinburgh, Scotland? Oh, well, I had my COVID booster recently. That went down well. Were you feeling pretty grim after it? Well, let's come back to that as we're talking today about self-fulfilling prophecies. And we did have a challenge. And my challenge was based around my COVID booster jab. I went more of the natural route for the COVID booster. I just got COVID. Yes, so I heard. And were you okay? <laughs> yeah, it, it was fine, actually. Uh, just a bit fatigued and worked from home for about a week. So it, was, uh, it wasn't too bad, actually. This variant that seems to be going around doesn't seem too bad. It's crazy, though, isn't it? It affects people totally differently in different ways. It does. Yeah, I think you, you don't necessarily know how it's going to affect you. So uh, I was quite lucky that it wasn't wasn't too bad. So glad to be here and uh, feeling well, well enough to podcast. Great. So this week, we're going to talk about self-fulfilling prophecies. So what's, what do you think self-fulfilling prophecy is? Well, I had to, I had to research it a little bit because... I wasn't completely clear on the difference between placebo effect and self-fulfilling prophecy because they seem to be kind of similar. And from what I could find, placebo effect is when you believe that something's going to be true and then you actually make it true simply through the belief. And self-fulfilling prophecy seems to be more of a grander sense. So it feels like it's more the, the direction or outcome of your life and so placebo effect seems to be more of a temporary or on a smaller scale versus self-fulfilling prophecy i think it's more about what we're creating in our lives on a grander level yeah i think that's right actually it's a grander thing i do think something like a placebo effect you know you always think about people giving given an aspirin as a drug to test things out or even just like a chalk tablet and then then you kind of maybe make yourself feel like you're okay whereas maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy I think maybe has a sort of wider impact on on your life it does and placebo effect you you always typically see it right like in the medical industry or something like that to try to figure out uh, the effectiveness of something but it can certainly be a positive thing uh, and it and I just think it's so fascinating that all you have to do is believe in something 
and then we actually make that true. So there's a lot of responsibility almost that, that you feel behind your own beliefs. Then. So I looked up the definition of self-fulfilling prophecies and there's a couple of things, but self-imposed prophecies occur when your own expectations influence your actions. So I guess it's something about when you think something might happen, then actually that's part of the way to making it happen itself. So normally key to success is lowering expectations to to not expect so much. But when it comes to the things that we want in our life or the direction, I think that we really need to make sure that we have high expectations of what it is that we would like to fulfill. And you did it, didn't you? Your expectation was not happy about the weather in Scotland and in fairness, TJ, who is who is happy about the weather here. Uh, so you decided to go for a high expectation and eventually you ended up in sunny Hawaii, which is crazy. <laughs> it, it is it's definitely a sweet spot. And I think that I was always looking for the sweet spot in life. You know, I always wanted to find a life that just felt amazing to live in. And, and I think that no matter what, there's always struggles and difficulties in life. But I think everyone is truly looking for their their sweet spot. Do you feel like you've you found your sweet spot? <laughs> still, I was I was in my pockets trying to find it there. Just have no, I haven't found my sweet spot yet. I don't think. Although I'm sure it's there. So, <laughs> it was down the back of the sofa, actually. So there we go. <laughs> found it. <laughs> That sweet spot on the couch. Which is true, to be honest. If you get a nice place, you know, if you get a nice place to sit and you're comfortable, great. You know, that makes life feel so much better. <laughs> it does. It definitely does to, to find that, that sweet spot, that seat. That's actually the point of yoga um, practice is to, to find your sweet spot, to find that, um, that seat. So every yoga posture the end part of it is asana, and asana means seat. So the point of actually practicing yoga is to to find the seat within yourself, physically, mentally, and then that's where you're supposed to find this this bliss. That you learn something every day. <laughs> so I'm looking for my asana every time I'm doing something. That's kind of where we're at. <laughs> So listen, we set ourselves a challenge, as we always do. We like a bit of a challenge. So this week's challenge, do you want to run through what we set ourselves for this week, TJ? Yes, I would. So this week, we decided to set an intention and then see if we were able to make it come true. Right. Did you do it? Yes, I did. Oh, excellent. Can't wait to hear. So Dr. T, did you make your dreams come true this week? We'll go back to the start. And I said it was COVID booster time. So I had my first two sets of COVID jabs and in fairness, I didn't feel great about it. But then lots of people said to me, you get your booster and it's going to be all right. So I was kind of, that's fine, I'll go and get my booster jab. And then kind of towards just before I went to get it, I was thinking, "Ah, I didn't feel very well after the last one. I think I'm maybe not going to feel that well. But then I thought, no, I'm just, that's just in my head. It's just in my head. I'm sure I'm going to be fine. And then I got the jab and oh, it just felt terrible. And I'm sure, I'm sure that was a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was kind of always thinking about, oh, I'm going to get this jab, I'm going to get this jab. And I was thinking, mm, 
it's a Sunday, that's fine. Uh, so I, I might have to take Monday off. And I even warned my boss. I said to my boss, I'm getting my COVID jab on Sunday. I'm not sure uh, how I'll be on Monday. So I was kind of setting myself, I was kind of setting myself up for a Monday off, really. So maybe you just really wanted to take the day off. Is, is that what it comes to? Is that the prophecy that you were trying to fill? And this is the thing, though. Do you think that maybe... So I did feel a bit kind of vacant, more vacant than normal. I just felt I wouldn't be able to concentrate on on work. So it was fine. I just sat and watched Netflix, which was great. But in my head, I was thinking, I, I really don't feel I can concentrate on, on work. So therefore, was I just was I just kind of going through the self-fulfilling prophecy thing that I was just saying to myself, yeah, just watch Netflix and you'll be all right tomorrow. And I was fine tomorrow. That was the interesting thing. Well, to me, it sounds like you, you really just wanted a day off of work. You know, the fact that you couldn't concentrate. It doesn't sound like there were many physical symptoms other than, oh, yeah, I can't can't focus on work. So <laughs> I'll just focus on Netflix. Oh, raging headache. Had a raging <laughs> headache. So I took a placebo tablet and I felt so much better after it. <laughs> took a pl- placebo aspirin. It was fine after that. I said, we need to watch because my boss might be listening to this. <laughs> Uh-oh. That this really is a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. Yes. So what about you, TJ? Uh, did you try out the old self-fulfilling prophecy challenge? I did. I've been wanting to sell my car uh, for the past few months now, actually, since I bought a new one, um, which I love this oh, car. Oh, Fifi. Yeah. So I've been trying to sell Fifi, my little electric blue uh, Fiat 500. And so I started focusing on it in the morning and in the evening, like, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm supposed to keep Fifi and, you know, sell my other car. You know, I don't know, but I feel like something needs to progress here. So as I was concentrating on it for just like a few days, I would say, um, I had a friend randomly text me and she said she asked if I was willing to rent my car because there's somebody that might want to rent it for about five or six months. So I was like, yeah, great. Like, you know, definitely like connect me with this person. I'll see if it's practical. So I met with her yesterday and she looked at the car and it sounds like she wants to go ahead. I have to figure out some of the practicalities around it if I can definitely do it. But I felt like I sent it out there and this has been months that nothing's happened with it. And then this came up. Do you think that's a self-fulfilling prophecy? I think that's because you're a white witch. (laughs) Dr. T, have you ever seen the Bill Nye the Science Guy uh, where he talks about um, white chicks and universe? No. It's hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, it, you no, I mean, I talk about it too, right? Like universe, you know, like talking to universe and universe manifesting and all that sort of thing. And it's a, it's a few minute comedy sketch with Bill Nye, the science guy. Yes. And uh, he says how the universe only talks to white chicks. Right. Because <laughs> it's always white chicks that are talking about the universe. you're the one that's always talking about the universe. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So I think that was more coincidence than self-fulfilling prophecy. Unless you believe you have some sort of sixth sense that enables people to go, oh, TJ's got this cash. TJ's got Fifi the Fiat and I know somebody that might want to rent it. I'll just give TJ a call. All seems like a coincidence to me. Well, I think this is where we differ, Dr. T. This is where the controversy comes in because I do believe that 
we're connected to other people and that unconsciously we can um, tap into that somehow, that there's something a little bit magical going on. Now, I totally understand why people refute that because it's not tangible enough. You know, it's not practical. You can't like pin it down. And so it's said to be a coincidence rather than something that you're actually manifesting or creating. So, okay, so here's an interesting one then. So my daughter um, has had, you know, she's, she, she was anorexic. So she's, you know, she's had, she's struggled. She's had some struggles. And um, there was a point where she was really not in a great place. And uh, we had a sort of a, a very open conversation about it. And and she said, ah, you know what I'll do? I'll get in touch with this person that she knew that might be able to help, um, that could help her with things like yoga and, and that sort of stuff. And, and she trusted this this person. She said, I've not seen her for a while, so I'll 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 get in touch. And she was a wee bit upset. So um, I said to her, that's fine. Uh, why don't you go for a walk and clear your head? She went for a walk and went round the corner and that woman was getting out of her car. She was visiting somebody in the street next to ours. What are the chances of that? It's a small world after all. It's a small world after all. <laughs> my favourite song in Disney. Is it? No, not really. <laughs> Although we did go to Disney years ago when my daughter was about <laughs> six. And um, I swear that was the only ride we went on. It's a small world. We went round it. It's a small world. We went round it again. Uh, let's go back on it again. Uh, eventually, the, it was quiet. We were there in like February. There was hardly anybody there. And eventually, the guy was just basically saying, we'd come round back to the start, and he would say, do you, do you want to just stay on? And we just went round again, so we didn't even have to get off and queue. Sounds like, sounds like a traumatic experience. Well, if there's a place that'll make you believe in magic, I, I really think that it is Disney. Did you have that experience of like, oh my gosh, magic is real when when you're at Disney? Great, great, great place. Loved it. Every minute. You smile from the moment you walk through the door till the moment you leave. It's a great place. I thought you were going to say it (laughs) until you ride that ride like more than three times. (laughs) Yeah. Once the novelty wears off like the 10th time you've been round, then yeah. Fair point, fair point. But back on to the um, what you were saying about the sixth sense thing, that's quite interesting because, as you know, we've got a dog, Harvey, the cute cockapoo. And Harvey, if um, my daughter's out uh, with a friend or whatever, Harvey will just be lying on the sofa, sleeping, and about two or three minutes before she arrives back into the house, Harvey, I don't know, he knows, he gets up and he sits at the window and there's no reason why he would know that she was coming back, but happens without fail every time. Well, there's absolutely something that you can tune into on that level. I completely believe it. Like, I can be sitting next to my boyfriend on the couch and I'll be like, are you craving a drink right now? And he'll say, yeah, I am. And I'm like, I knew it. And then a few minutes later, I'll be like, you're not craving that anymore, are you? Like that craving one, right? And I'll be like, yeah, it did. I'm like, I I can just feel it. I can literally like feel what he's thinking oftentimes. Or I'll be like, you're stressing about something, aren't you? And he'll say, yeah, I am. I'm like, I can feel it. I can just feel that that's 
the state that he's in. It, it freaks That's him out. freaking me out. It, You're freaking me out now, TJ. <laughs> it freaks him out because he doesn't believe in any of this stuff either, right? He's he's not as open to that sort of thing. So he, otherwise you might think, oh, well, it's probably, uh, oh yeah, that must have been what I was thinking just because you want to believe that it's true. But it's a little bit creepy to him that I can just know all of that. That is very creepy. <laughs> when you're cooking, is it like hair of dog and eye of frog and all that sort of stuff when you're cooking up your potions? Well, sometimes there is hair of the dog, you know, drinking the day after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one track, Mike. One track. Okay, so self-fulfilling prophecy is the chat today. TJ has now bent down and picked up her gong. So that means it's time for a quote. It's quite a long quote in this episode. Would you like to hit the gong, TJ? So it's a classic quote from Mahatma Gandhi. Always good quotes from Gandhi. Uh, So it's quite long, but I quite like it. So... Keep your thoughts positive because your thoughts become your words. Keep your words positive because your words become your behavior. Keep your behavior positive because your behavior becomes your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits become your values. Keep your values positive because your values become your destiny. Quite a long quote, that, isn't it? What do you think, though? Absolutely true. And it I like the way that it builds it up, too, right? Like, it starts on a very basic level and how these very simple building blocks lead up to the outcome for ourselves as people. And I think that can actually scare a lot of people. Do you think that's true? Well, it's interesting because what you said there is right. Because if you think it goes from thoughts to words to behavior to habits to values to destiny. So actually, your thoughts become your destiny, which is quite interesting. It is. And and we have the ability to change our thoughts, right? At least to some degree. You can't, you can't determine every thought that's going to go through your head. You know, it's like a, it's own, it's got its own process that it's going through. So you get all these different thoughts that filter through but you can actually consciously put your own thoughts that you want to in your mind like the affirmations episode that we did where you can actually create that the fact that we have that power to to start it just with our thoughts in order to be able to create an outcome in our life is is really powerful if you do take it to be true then that kind of power I think can feel overwhelming for people. I think there is a limit isn't there? I mean it has to be within your realms of possibility. There's no way that I can think I'm going to be a rock star. I know that I'm not going to be a rock star. Absolutely know it. But there are maybe other things that I can think that I'd like to be able to do with my life and then I can change my behaviours and habits and values in order to to get to that place. And we are limited uh, to some degree by the amount of time, energy, resource that we have, right? If you have a very busy life and there's already so much that you, so many obligations that you have, like maybe having a family or something like that, 
then you don't have the same amount of resource to dedicate somebody that does have more time and space in that way. Also, I think the age that you are also makes a difference. So the younger somebody is, the more time they have to build that up. And if you take that seriously when you're young, then you have a lot of control over your life and the direction that it leads. If you come to that realization and you're older, then there's less time in order to be able to dedicate to it. But that doesn't mean that you like you can still create the things that you want in your life. It might just look a little bit uh, different. It's kind of like following your dreams, is it not? And and then finding ways to behave and things to do in your life in order to to follow your dreams. I suppose, and everybody has kind of regrets, I think, about maybe things that they maybe thought they should have done at some point. You know, I know that certainly I I wanted to uh, work in broadcasting and, and, and the BBC and all that, and I never, ever ended up doing it. And, of course, I often think back and think, oh, well, what could have been? But then you make other life choices that are good, which wouldn't have happened if you had gone down that road. So I guess there's a balance, isn't there? So maybe the yes. self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy is then building up this podcast so that you still get to be in broadcasting in a way that you wanted to, even if it's not with the BBC. Well, I think that's the thing, isn't it? If that's your interest and that's the thing you want to do, then you find ways to make it happen or you find people that might want to do the same sort of thing and then you can do it together. So you still manage to to achieve some of the goals that maybe you wanted to do when you were younger. And so you have to use your brain power to tune into those people so that way... When you go out and you go for a walk, then you just run into them randomly on the street. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's your job. You'd use your brain power to get people to listen to this podcast. You should be able to do that. It should be a piece of cake to a white witch. <laughs> so listen, I've got another quote, actually. Um, and it says, the law of self-fulfilling prophecy says that you get what you expect. So why not create great expectations and the highest vision possible for yourself and your world? So a little bit contrary to that, um, we've been talking about internal locus of control. Uh, are you familiar with that term? Well, I see when you were saying that we've been talking about internal locus of control, I'm thinking, have I, am, have I the same, am I having the same conversation as you? No idea what you're talking about, TJ. No idea. So internal locus of control is the belief that we determine our own destiny, that we are in control of the things that happen to us in our life. External locus of control is that we aren't in control. It's the things external to us that dictate the outcome and the relationship between those. So are we completely in control? I think that to some degree, we aren't, you know, to some degree, there are external things that happen. Everybody is born with their own limitations as a human being that's that's in our DNA is a person. So no matter how much internal locus of control we have, no matter how much we're trying to create a self-fulfilling prophecy, we're still limited by certain things. Um, but that's the external locus of control. So uh, Dr. T, do you think that the outcome of our lives is more determined by internal or external locus of control? Very interesting and quite deep and difficult for me to try and answer, if I'm honest. But I think that I'm guessing that if you were, in, if you were at school and there was a teacher who had 
for example, low expectations of you, even although maybe you were good at what you did, or let's just take, for example, art, an art class or something, that you thought you were kind of okay at it, but the teacher had a kind of low expectation, and maybe there was other people in the class who were better in the eyes of the teacher, and they got all of the credit, then I think that would influence how you perform in in class, actually. If you feel like, well, I'm actually not really very good at this, then maybe you would fail. It's like being in a job. If you think that if you if somebody's offered you a, a job to do and you think it's too difficult and you're just kind of thinking, well, that's kind of too difficult, you know, is it worth putting the effort in because it's probably not going to work out anyway? So then you don't put the, the effort in that probably you might have done in something that you thought was more achievable. Well, it's of course it's going to fail, isn't it? And then you'll stand back and go, well, I knew that would happen. Well, of course it was going to happen because you didn't put the effort in. That that happens a lot where people don't want to invest themselves too much and they feel like it's going to fail anyway. So they're just like, well, see, I knew that was going to happen. People have these yep. negative self-perpetuating uh, prophecies. So that's the inter- internal one, really, isn't it? It's the one that that's affecting internally. You're saying to yourself, "Well, it's not really going to work. I don't believe I can do this, so I'm not going to achieve it." But then on the on the other side, you've got that whole teacher situation where maybe the teachers basically saying, "Well, I don't think you're going to do that well in your exams," um, and that's an external influence which maybe affects you in a negative way. Yeah, that's right. And you're really looking at the play there between internal and external locus of control how powerful that actually is, that that external can then become the internal. And that's so often what happens, especially when we're with people where there's that negativity going on, where you see somebody getting picked on, or you see that somebody is being treated unfavorably. It's almost impossible for that person to keep an internal locus of control in those kind of situations. Uh, very similar to bullying. And it's something that always really, really uh, bothered me on a deep level because of seeing, you know, seeing that in people around and, and how powerful that actually is. And I think you have to become so determined to not ultimately be determined by the situation. And it takes a lot of, I think, resilience of the self in order mm. to make it through those kind of situations and create something positive in your life. And you're right. I think it takes a strength of character to stand up to the bully and not be ground down by that person, as many people could be. It does. And do you ever feel that on, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be the intense level of bullying, but are you ever in a room with people, maybe one person, maybe a few people. And it's almost like you can feel the judgment, like people just watching. And you can feel this like this palpable tension in the air. And you're in the spotlight, like you're the one that has to do something. And you're like, oh, no, am I going to totally mess this up? Or or is it or is it going to turn out okay? I think that atmosphere when there's somebody that has a judgmental expectation, I find it really difficult not to take that on. And my own history has been that because of a lack of confidence within myself, that I will almost always falter and 
do something wrong or awkward, but I never give up trying. I, even if I fail in that moment, which I think is, I actually expect myself to fail in that moment, but not ultimately, that I feel like I will always stay persistent enough in order to win that audience over whoever it is at work. Do you, do you ever feel that? So yeah, I had a, a couple of jobs ago, because I've done lots of jobs. A couple of jobs ago, I worked for an organisation and we had a meeting with, there was some people who worked in various parts of Scotland and they were kind of, they were sort of self-sufficient, but they were funded by the organisation that I worked for. Um, but to be honest, they didn't really like the way the organisation was being run. And I came in as a, a new person and um, they were in my sort of bit of the organisation so I, I said, let's all get together and meet and uh, we can discuss how things have been going. And uh, so we met in an office uh, in town and I went with a, a, a colleague who started on the same day as me, actually. And, and honestly, we opened, there was only four of them, but we opened the door into the meeting room and you could feel the, te- you, know, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife. And I remember thinking as I walked in, I was thinking, what is going to happen here that it was really stressful and it's weird how you can sense that kind of tension it's the oddest thing isn't it you know nobody needs to say anything you don't even need to see somebody you can feel the tension so are you going to say what happened so so i thought well i'm here so it's my you know it's my job to try and identify where there are maybe issues i mean i kind of thought that there was maybe problems but having walked into that office and felt that tension. I thought, well, there definitely are some issues here to come out on the table. And it was an interesting thing because it's going back to a podcast we did a couple of podcasts ago around herd mentality. There was like a one person who kind of rallied everybody around and I don't know, it was it was interesting. It was as if they wanted to vent all of their frustrations and anger from all of those years out on on me. <laughs> And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm I'm actually here to try and help you. But anyway, we managed to come to uh, eventually come to agreement. The, the sort of ringleader of of the group never really came round, but other people did. And after the meeting, they kind of sort of apologised maybe for the atmosphere and not given given me a chance. But I mean, I guess my kind of view was, well, maybe it had maybe that you know they had been in quite a bad place, and you know whatever situation they were in before I started wasn't great, so they needed to get that, they needed to vent and get that anger out, uh, and start afresh. Hopefully, I like that in your story you mentioned the projections that people put onto you, and I think that's really what happens with external locus of control when it comes to other people is that they carry all this baggage and rather than looking at them it, it rather than looking at it within themselves they decide to put it on to other people and then people take that on as if it's their own and then they they create these negative self-fulfilling prophecies just purely through other people's projections i was getting this all of this you know this is wrong this is wrong this is terrible and i was thinking gosh this is is this my fault? And then I'm thinking, well, no, it's not my fault because I've only just started. You know, I've only been working here for about a month. So it's, it's not my fault. But of course, you still feel like it's you. Isn't that so interesting? It's, it's like a responsibility that gets pushed onto other people because people don't want to feel that themselves. And it's, it's like what I was saying earlier, how people don't really want to feel responsible 
for the outcome of their life or, you know, there's a real heaviness around responsibility that people just don't want to pick up. And I really like how you allowed them to just have their moment. And even even though you went through that that little that period of insecurity where it's like, oh gosh, is this mine? Did I do this? But then yep. it all cleared. And and then you were able to mostly have a fresh slate except for maybe that one person. The issue is when people get stuck in that cycle and that there's not a yeah. clearing. And then that negativity actually just keeps going. That prophecy, that prophecy keeps cycling on. Well, it does, doesn't it? And then you you take on that kind of negativity because you feel that well, it's actually your fault, and that you can't actually do anything to fix the issues. And people are just so willing to to offload that they they don't even they're I don't even think that they're consciously aware at all that that they're doing that. And how damaging it is, how negative it is, and the impact that that has on other people, and particularly children, right? Because mm. there's no filtering process or there's less of a filtering mm. process. So that actually becomes the child's reality. As an adult, you can kind of be like, oh gosh, and then you can, you know, kind of clear it away. But with kids, it creates a lot of deep layers and that so bullying and negative experience of that child not being believed in at a young age uh, is much more detrimental so for the positive or negative because when a child is very deeply believed in then the possibilities are so big for that human being and you're right i mean if a child doesn't believe that they can do things then it becomes it kind of becomes reality doesn't it sadly does. So thank goodness for Disney. <laughs> exactly. Thank goodness for it's a small world. <laughs> I love that Disney just helps to bring magic alive and to to help kids and adults tune tune back into that. When um when I went, I, I enjoyed the experience, but it was really at the end of the day when they did this water show uh to like lights and uh, they projected parts of the Disney movie into the water. They would like shoot the water up, oh. uh, yep. project it onto it. But it was when they made the water look like like fairy dust. And I was like, how did they do that? It was just like magic. You know? so, and, and at that point, I was like, I believe in Disney being magical <laughs> when I saw the water look like fairy dust. <laughs> So there's another. So have have you ever been to the Harry Potter thing? There's a Harry Potter uh, film studio uh, just on the outskirts of London. Amazing! You can get to go in all the Harry Potter sets, uh, and they're the original sets from the the movies. Um, it's really great, and uh, totally recommend it. But I was thinking about how, when I was looking at self fulfilling prophecies, Harry Potter came up often uh, because of. Do you know much about Harry Potter? Are you a Harry? Potter fan? I enjoy Harry Potter. I don't. I haven't seen all of them, but I probably won't know in depth information. So basically, Lord Voldemort believes that someone born on Harry Potter's birthday will be the person that kills him for some reason. Then, of course, 
taken it as an absolute truth. He sets out to kill Harry Potter because he finds out that Harry Potter was born on this day. And because he's trying to beat this prophecy, for some, he accidentally transfers his power into Harry. And then that gives Harry the means to defeat Voldemort. And you, you know what happens in the end. But it's quite interesting. So it's a, it's a sort of cyclical, self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. That's really interesting. And it's funny because I, I was just going to... I was going to ask you to guess Walt Disney's birthday. Oh, I don't know. When's Walt Disney's birthday? December 5th. That's my birthday. So is. <laughs> what are the chances of that? <laughs> Is that so weird? Yeah, that is quite weird. I had a dental appointment this week. Classic dental appointment. Do you know what time it was at? What time? 2.30. 2.30. But it was. It actually was. It was like, and I wanted to go to the dentist and say, this is great. I've got a dental appointment at 2.30. And I thought I better not. Because how many times have they heard that joke? I feel like you should have said it anyway, because then they should either just laugh at it or then they should just never give somebody that appointment time. It should be like 2.45. Yeah, they may just laugh or they may just go, you know what? I'm going to drill your teeth without an anesthetic for that. So it's a bit of a risk, isn't it? you got to keep the odds on your side. <laughs> Okay, listen, let's do a quiz. Let's do a quiz. Do you fancy a quiz? That's my self-fulfilling prophecy that hopefully I'll do well on the quiz. Okay, well, let's just see how good you are. I think you're going to do really well, TJ, because you're very bright and intelligent and you're very smart. I appreciate those affirmations. Excellent. Okay, so question number one. How many types of self-fulfilling prophecy are there? Four. There's two types of self-fulfilling prophecies. Self-imposed prophecies occur when your own expectations influence your actions. And other imposed prophecies occur when others' expectations influence your behaviour. Which is kind of what you were saying, internal and external. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so how did you get it wrong then? <laughs> because I was thinking that the categories might be something more like the, the types of things that you might influence. I did not know okay, the answer no. to that one. Okay, but good good try, good try. Question number two, what is one method a psychologist would use to avoid self-fulfilling prophecy? You've kind of touched on it, actually. Affirmations? No, so now that I'm reading the answer, I'm not sure it makes sense to me. But anyway, one way to avoid this self-fulfilling prophecy is to use a double-blind technique. Apparently that's something. So suppose a psychologist wants to study the effects of a tranquilizer. They might give the drug to an experimental group and a placebo uh, to a controlled group. And then apparently that avoids self-fulfilling prophecy. Okay, that that's more like a placebo effect thing, research. Okay, uh, I was thinking was more in the... Uh, like counseling context than like research uh, okay. context. Okay, you're just double backing on the fact <laughs> that you're. Uh, I just mean, got the last two questions wrong. I mean, I got that one wrong, but I feel like there wasn't enough context to, to give me a good. Okay, that's my with fault. That All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But um, but I think you did touch on the whole placebo effect thing, which I think is true. You know? mm -hmm. Okay. Question number three. 
Oh, you've got no chance of getting this one, but anyway, I'm going to ask you. Robert K. Merton came up with the term self-fulfilling prophecy in 1948. He was a Nobel Prize winning sociologist, but what was his hobby? Okay, definitely multiple choice. Okay, I'll give you multiple choice. Was he a painter? Was he a magician? Was he a dancer? Painter. No, he was a magician. He was. Uh, he had a very strong interest in magic, and for his magic act, he inos- he initially chose the stage name Merlin, but then changed it to Merton because he wanted to Americanize his immigrant family name. Apparently. I'm disappointed in myself I didn't get that one because that was a fun one. Well, I think that whole I think that whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing is rubbish because I was I was that bigging you up at the start to try and make you feel good about yourself and you end up doing worse than you've ever done on these quizzes. <laughs> Zero out of three. I think you I think you really enjoy doing the negative I think you really enjoy doing the buzzer when I get it wrong. So even though you were saying that you were being positive, I think you were just projecting more negative. So thanks for that. All right. That is that, yeah, that's your sixth sense kicking in. So the Robert Merton thing's quite interesting, actually. So um, he was, uh, as, as I said earlier, he won a Nobel Prize in sociology. Uh, is that right? Yes, yeah, sociology. Um, and he's actually a, a sociologist and a criminologist. And he developed a thing called strain theory in 1938. And basically it states that society puts pressure on individuals to achieve socially accepted goals, although they might lack the means to do it. And the American dream is a classic example. That's interesting. That seems very much related to self-fulfilling prophecy and how people buy into that and then try to make that happen. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, he is quite interesting, and he's really great about making a rabbit appear out of a hat as well in his spare time. So that's all positive. From my days of psychology research, uh, I'm familiar with the term double blind, and it means that the person that's carrying out the experiment with the participant doesn't know whether that person is getting the placebo or the actual medication or whatever it is because the participant may be picking up on the the person doing the experiment if they could read something into their body language or what they're doing in order to know if they got it or not. So it's that same subconscious communication between people where there might not be something tangible that you can necessarily articulate, but you can feel it in know that it's happening with another person. So there's a double blind thing that I'd be quite keen to do and I've not yet done it, but I'd like to do it in work when we're all, when we're all allowed back in the office. And it is, I believe that cola tastes better from a bottle than it does from a can. Now, I don't know if it's just in my head, but I think it definitely tastes better from a bottle. And I'm sure that if you did a kind of double blind test with people... Maybe it tastes the same, but people would then try to think, oh, one of them does taste different, and they would choose between the two rather than say, oh, they're both the same. Funnily enough, somebody at my work this week was saying that she wanted to drink Coke from a bottle 
rather than a can because she started to be able to taste, have like a taste from it being in a can. And that's something that just became more pronounced for her. So maybe it is right. So we managed to look at self-fulfilling prophecy, didn't we? We looked at um, our expectations. Do they shape reality? Do you think we covered that? Did we cover that? Hold on. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think we had a little bit of debate about it, but I think for the most part, we we agree that our expectations do shape reality. I agree. Can others' judgments affect our behavior, do you think? Yes, we definitely talked about that quite a lot, the influence that we have on one another. And we definitely talked about the difference between a placebo effect and self-fulfilling prophecy and that maybe cola tastes better out of a bottle than in a can. You need to try it now. I think you need to try it. Is that the challenge for next week? I feel it should be the challenge for next week, actually. Yeah. Um, And then I think our self-fulfilling prophecy needs to be that this podcast is going to be our most successful podcast yet and that we double our listeners to four. (laughs) Setting those expectations high, Dr. T. Well, okay, shall we triple it? (laughs) Let's just check the stats then and see how how our self-fulfilling prophecy works out. So listen, it's been great to catch up, TJ. Really enjoyed the chat this week. It's been great, although I guess I didn't completely convince you about my superpowers just yet. Oh, you're obviously reading my mind because that's exactly what I was thinking just now. (laughs) So you actually really do have superpowers, TJ. You really do. Well, listen, have you got anything planned for today? The sun's obviously, well, the sun's always shining through the window. This is on my plan for the day. A Keanu Reeves colouring book. Amazing. It was a birthday present from my friend Jesse, actually. Um, It was so random. I just got it yesterday. It probably was sent months ago, but I just haven't checked the mailbox and it came in. And I just just thought it was a hilarious thing. That is very funny. You'll use a lot of black felt tip pen for the beard and the hair. No, I'm coloring it in. uh, So... So TJ's flicking through the pages now and there's all these kind of pages of Keanu Reeves looking thoughtful and, oh, what a nightmare. He's just so perfect, you know. He's so annoying, Keanu Reeves, you know, because so, he does so many good things. He looks amazing. He's about my age. He Not only does he ride motorbikes, but he's got his own company that makes motorbikes. Does he live in Hawaii, you know? His name is Hawaiian. Cool yeah, I think he is. I think he maybe... Yeah, I think he maybe lives in Hawaii. You know, he's got everything. He's got it all. You know, when I was growing up, I had a cardboard cutout of Keanu Reeves in my bedroom from the movie Speed. Uh, when it was from the VHS rental place where um, I was so obsessed with it that they eventually just gave it to me when I, when I asked for it. And I think my friends actually still have this cardboard cut out that they've like passed between them because they thought it was the most hilarious thing so maybe i ended up in hawaii because of my obsession with keanu reeves as a young child and his name being hawaiian there's a street name here actually keanu well there you go you see it's that's back down to mahatma gandhi's quote your thoughts ultimately become your destiny and look where you're at now you're sitting in hawaii 
with a Keanu Reeves coloring book. Live in the dream, TJ. Live in the dream. Well, it's it's been a lot of fun, and I'm already looking forward to the next episode. And just want to say thank you to to anyone that's that's listening. We we really appreciate your support. And and let's go ahead and close this episode. Do you want to do it this time, Doctor T? So we always like to finish the episode just as we started. So. Just as aloha means hello, it also means goodbye. Aloha, TJ. Aloha. Aloha.